to God. At the end of the service today, we're going to have, uh, as I said earlier, we're going to have a commissioning. And uh, it's through the Christian Men's Network. And, uh, you know, looking back, it's, it's at least 30 years ago, may even be longer than that, that we got, began to be affiliated with the Christian Men's Network. That was founded by Dr. Edwin Cole, who's gone home to be with the Lord now. But um, Dr. Cole's first book that he wrote was Maximize Manhood. And, uh, you know, it's uh, uh, any man that hasn't read that should read it. Uh, and if you don't have a copy of it, I think we still have some. Um, see Terry after the service or myself, and we'll get you one because. It's one of those books that uh, reading it once isn't enough. You need to read it periodically. And in fact, it's a good book for women to read as well because of the principles that are in it. And so this morning, I want to talk with you concerning one of the principles that we first learned, that I first learned um, through the ministry of Dr. Cole. And, uh, and it's known as the principle of investment. And uh, it talks about how, uh, it, it also talks about the four I's, how it's, uh, it begins by identification, then involvement, then investment, and then increase. And so what God wants to produce in each and every one of our lives, he wants to produce increase. He doesn't want us to be stagnant in our life, in any area of our life. He doesn't want it to be stagnant. He wants there to be increase. He wants there to be growth. But in order for us to, to experience that, we have to realize that there's a biblical principle that has to be implemented, that has to be put in motion. The thing about this, this principle is that it, 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 it's a spiritual principle. It operates for us spiritually, <clears throat> but it affects every single area of our life. And as we go along, we're going to see how uh, this, is, this is true and how, whether you realize it or not, there are areas in your life that you're operating using this very principle. You may not have realized it, but you are. And so in those areas where there's lack, shortcoming, whatever it may be, to realize how this principle works and you're able to implement it in your life, uh, it can bring tremendous change in many areas of your life. And so, um, investment. And the thing that I shared earlier is that investment leads to increase. We may not say it, but what we really want in our life is we want increase. You go to work, you're faithful to work because you want increase in your life. We invest our time and energies in, in different um, endeavors because we want increase. So that's what we're going to look at today. First scripture I want us to look at it's in Luke the 6th chapter in the 38th verse and we oftentimes use this <clears throat> for the offering but what I want us to see this morning that has a whole lot more to do with a whole lot more areas of in our life than just offerings 
But in Luke, the sixth chapter, in the 38th verse, it says, Give, and it will be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And so what we see in this principle of investment is that there's increase that comes back. Again, let me reiterate that fact that the point of investment is increase. <clears throat> it's really slow right now with the banks. But you know what? The money that we invest, we don't invest it with the hope that we're going to lose money. Now, if there's anybody that fits into that category, just raise your hand right now, and after the service, we'll pray for you and cast that stupid spirit out of you. <laughs> no, we, we put money in the bank. We invest money, whatever we invest it. We invest it because we want to increase. But you know, <clears throat> I, I found something out. If you, if you don't invest it, you'll never in experience an increase. With complete faith, I can announce to you today that I personally will never win the lottery. How do you know that, Pastor Dave? Because I have never invested any of my money in buying a lottery tickle. Ticket. And so because I've not invested any money in buying a lottery ticket, I've disqualified myself from being able to win the lottery. Now I invest, but I've chosen to do it the biblical way. By investing here a little, you know, the, the principles of God is not the windfall. The principle of God is here a little, there a little, and increase comes our way. And the primary place that I've chosen to make my investment in things that bring heavenly rewards and not just simply earthly rewards. In other words, the church. Uh, because that's where I believe true increase comes from. I've already read this scripture, but I'm going to read it again. And it comes from Galatians 6-7. Do not be deceived. You know, a lot of times people are wondering, why don't things happen to me? Because we've not invested anything. You know, and so we're going to be talking about that. Do not be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that he's going to reap. And so <clears throat> the formula behind the principle, as I've already shared, is identification. Uh, it's involvement. It's investment. And then comes the increase. But you know, so often what we want is we just simply want the increase. Hey man, don't shout me down just because I'm preaching good. I mean, isn't that the truth? Don't look at me in that tone of voice. You've gone to the mailbox too expecting an increase and nothing was there. Well, what's wrong with that principle? Because nothing has been invested. And so it's a principle that we have in God's word. So let's look at the first. Let's look at identification because it's it's the beginning point for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ with his word 
with his blood, with his spirit. The first thing that you have to do is you have to identify with him. You have to identify with what he's done for you. You know, I, I grew up going to church. Um, we heard the stories. We heard all of that. But nowhere along that 24-year period of time that I went to church, did I hear anybody talk about the fact that I needed to identify with what Christ had done for me. But that Saturday morning that you're all familiar with in the basement of Vern Lewis's house, when they began to share the scripture with me, I was able to identify for the first time with the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. And so my Christian life began by identifying with what Christ had done for me. And so, in whatever it is, whatever endeavor that we're involved in, we've got to identify it with ministry. We have to identify with the need. We have to identify with the opportunity. You know, there's, there's things that we do in this church that people um, know that we're involved in, but they don't identify with it because they've not investigated it. And so there's, there's no identification there. You know, for you to be involved in something, you know, Emmanuel showed me a picture of this big fish this morning. He didn't catch it, by the way. <laughs> but see, the thrill of catching a big catfish I have no identification with. Because I could care less. Well, let me put it this way. I couldn't care less about catching a catfish. They're just... So he showed me that picture, and I said, whoa, that's a, that's a big fish. But I didn't have the thrill he had in seeing that fish. And that's, that's how it is for many of you, whatever your, your deal is. But it's because you identify with it. And so the first part of it is, is identification. The second part is involvement. You know, and, and what, what involvement does, it solidifies that which you've identified with. Maybe if I'd get involved in catching a catfish. No, I don't think so. You know, to me, they're just big and slimy. You know, there, there isn't... Anyway, they, they belong either in the river or dead. You know, one or the other. You know, so I... I but, but how do we... We, we take the, the identification to the point of involvement. Involvement we're not, will not truly get involved with something until we begin to identify with it, though. You know, we have a lot of young people in our church that, that wrestle, that play basketball, baseball, volleyball. They're involved in the sports. If I left yours out, forgive me. It's football season, so football. <clears throat> you know, and uh, they began to identify with it. They'd go to the games and they liked it. And so they, 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 they didn't stop with identify, identification. They got involved with it. 
And the involvement led to their being able to identify with it even on a, on a deeper level. And so you can't ever really grow in something just simply by identifying with it. You have to be involved in it. You know, you can identify with Abundant Life Ministries. But see, that identification doesn't go very far until you get involved. Until you get involved with it. Now I've had people, they'll, they'll come to church and they'll visit one Sunday and they say, we found it, this is our church. And, and so they, they, they in, a, in a sense, have identified with it, but then we don't see them again. Why? Because they didn't get involved. You know, so it always leads to involvement. You know, I have people, you know, I bought this, this new pair of, of slacks. They're, uh, they're, they're golf slacks. Is, is that the right term? I'm not supposed to call them pants, right? You know, I've learned not to call them pants when I've gone into the prison. You know, but, 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 but they're, they're comfortable. So I bought them because they were comfortable. And so every Monday night when I wear them to the prison, at least one guy will come up and say, well, did you play golf today? <laughs> the answer is no. I'm just comfortable. And then they say, do you play golf? And I have to think about it. Because to play something implies that you're proficient at it. And so my answer is always, I'm a hacker. You know, so, so to tell you how I identify with golf, when, when Zachary got married out in, in Georgia, in uh, Augusta, uh, we, could, we could play a round of golf on the Augusta where the Masters is played. No, not no. there. No. Westlake. Oh, really? Well, I'm glad I didn't play then. <laughs> if I would have known that, you just ruined my story. <laughs> That's what happens when people talk back to me during church. But the point was, I thought we were going to play where the Masters was played. And I have too much respect for the game to take this body out on that golf course and swing a club. So I guess I do identify with it a little bit. But see, I can't, I can't really identify with it that much because I've not been involved in it that much. In the past, I've played golf one to three times a year. Up to this point in time, in, 19, in 2019, it's been three years since I've played around golf. And so I'm not real, you know, involved in it. And so if you're involved in something, that means there's, there's an element of participation that's involved in it. And so it's identification, then that identification leads us to involvement. Because without the involvement, there's, there, there's no identification with it. But then that, that's, that's not enough then. It needs to be an investment. And one of the things, I, I know I've heard others teach it since, but Dr. Cole was the first one that I 
heard teach this, and what he taught was that we only have three things that we can invest. Our time, our talent, and our treasury. And so, just because I go into the bank doesn't mean I get a return. I mean, I can go there at Christmas and have cookies. <laughs> but I've still gone into the bank. You know, I can, I can have an account in the bank, may not have any money in it, but I can have an account in the bank so I can identify it as my bank. But you know, for me to get a return out of that bank, I've got to put an investment in that bank. And that's how it is in life in general. If we want a return, that means there has to be an investment that takes place. And, and like I said, we only have, we, have, we have three things that we can invest. Our time, our talent, and our treasury. And so each one of us, I mean, <clears throat> if you want to know what you truly identify with, take out your checkbook and see where your money's going. If you really, really want to know what you identify with, take and list your, your schedule and take a look at it. And where do you put your time? Because that's what you're investing in. And every one of us in this room, <clears throat> you may deny it, but you have talent. And how do you use those talents? Because how you use those talents tells you what you identify with. When you take an athlete and he gets up at 5 o'clock in the morning so that he can run and he can have a workout before he goes to school. He walks in the school and he's dragging because he's drained or he, she is drained. It tells you what they're identifying with. They're identifying with that sport, whatever it is they're, they're working at. That's where their time, their talent, and their treasury, treasury is being invested because <clears throat> sports isn't like when I was in high school. When I played football, I had to buy a pair of shoes and a pair of socks and another item we won't talk about this morning. That was it. Everything else was provided. Didn't have special things that we had to go to. That was it. You know, and our shoes cost nothing. I mean, they spend hundreds of bucks on shoes today. Our, our football shoes were, this, with, were, were leather on top. And they had, it was, it was very similar to cardboard, a flask piece of cardboard on the bottom with some spikes sticking out of it. There was no inseam, there was nothing in them. I mean, if there was anything that was going to destroy your feet, it was a football shoe. But see, today, if you're going to play football, what happens? You make an investment. You make an investment of your, your money because it requires uh, camps, it requires travel, it, it requires all kinds of things. It, it requires your time, 
You know, our football practice was an hour and a half at the most every day and then a game on Friday night. That was it. You know, now it's six, sometimes seven days a week. It's an investment of time and talent. And that's why they spend so much time lifting weights and running and so forth. What are they doing? They're developing the talent that's already there. You know, I played football and I played one year in college and the one thing I learned in the one year I played in college that was in six years of junior high and high school, I was never in shape. Because it was hard work. But see, we were able to just do it on the mediocre amount of talent that we had. We didn't have to develop it. And you know, that's what a lot of us do with church. We talk about identifying with the church and being involved in the church, but what kind of investment are we making in the church? When I'm talking about the church, I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about our relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. For that relationship to develop, it means that there must be an investment on our part of our time, our talent, and our treasury. And you know, the interesting thing about about investment is sometimes it means we have to sacrifice someplace else in order to make that investment. You know, people that are saving up for a retirement, they're making this investment. Most of us, if we had our druthers, we'd like to, we'd prefer to spend it on ourselves now rather than wait till retirement. But we realize that don't be deceived. Whatever a man sows, that's what he's going to reap. And so oftentimes the investment that we make isn't just simply for now. It's for the future. You know, one of the scriptures that we've been using this morning is, is Proverbs 22, 6. Train up your child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he's not going to depart on him. And so the investment that we're making at this time isn't just simply for today and tomorrow. It's for the future. Notice what it says. It says that if we train up a child in the way that they should go, when they're old, they're not going to depart from it. That does not mean that in between there may be a period of time where it appears that they strayed. But what it's saying is that when we get those truths and these principles in their heart, in these young people, when they're old, it's going to wake them up. Hopefully they don't ever stray. We're believing for our children to never stray. Yes. Emma's going to Iowa State, but she's not going to stray. Amen. Amen. Because we're not going to let her. But see, whatever it is, we have, to, we have to make that investment so that there's the growth. In 2 Samuel 24, 24. This is David speaking. He wanted to make a sacrifice unto the Lord. And, and so <clears throat> this piece of ground was offered to him, offered to give it to him. And so this is what David is talking about. And he says in verse 24, Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. 
You see, David may not have taught this principle, but he understood the principle. He understood the principle that if he was going to receive something from the God, if he was going to offer something to God, there was, a, there was an element of, of sacrifice that was involved. And he says, I'm not going to offer to the Lord something that didn't cost me anything. And so David paid for the land. He paid for the sacrifice. He made an investment. And of course, we know concerning David that he was considered the apple of God's eye. He had favor in God's eyes and he's considered to be one of the, well, the greatest king of Israel. They made an investment. He recognized the need for investment. We need to recognize the need for investment. Why? Because we want increase. Don't, don't get spiritual on me now and look at me at that tone of voice. We want increase. I want increase. I invest my money because I want increase. I invest in relationships because I want increase. Well, pastor, that sounds kind of selfish and no, 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 no. You, got, you don't understand the principle. You see, relationship goes two ways. And so as I invest my time in your life, in return, you're investing your time in my life, and that's what forms a relationship. You know, married couples stop investing in one another and see what happens. Stop giving of your time, talent, and treasure to your partner and see what happens. Stop investing in your children. See what happens. Stop investing in your business. See what happens. It leads to destruction. Most of you have heard me share this, but years back when I was still plumbing, I was plumbing in New Ulm, Minnesota, and one of the guys that I work with is a Christian, and in one noon we went for a drive, and we're driving down Main Street, New Ulm, Minnesota, and and he, he says, you know, it's a, and there, there were a lot of storefronts that were vacant. And he says, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting phenomena. He says, it's an interesting phenomena that uh, many times what you find in business, and he says, that's what we've seen here in New Ulm, is that the grandfather a man comes along and he starts his business and he invests in the business. He puts everything back in the business. He, he sacrifices because he wants to establish the business. And so his son comes along and his son is seeing the sacrifice of his father. But by this time, the business has been established. And so they're, be, they're beginning to take out of the business. They're able to have a blessed life. They're able to buy a bigger house and nice cars and so forth. But the father saw the sacrifice of his, of, uh, uh, the, of his, the man saw the sacrifice of his father who started the business. And so he continues to invest in the business. But then his son, the grandson comes along and he didn't see the sacrifice. 
All he saw was the taking out of the business. And so in the third generation, and you just check it out, because the phenomena is very true. Oftentimes in the third generation, the business is lost. Why? Because there's no investment. It's only take. And whatever it is that we're talking about, whatever you want to talk about, wherever, whatever is important to you, to realize that we've got to continue to invest. You know, it's kind of like the wife came to her husband one day and she says, you don't ever tell me you love me anymore. Why don't you tell me you love me? Well, you don't ever tell me you love me. And he said, you know, I told you on the day we were married, I love you, and if I ever change my mind, you'll be the first to know. It's not making much of an investment. It's not going to go very far. Time, talent, and treasury. That's what we invest. We invest in the lives of others. We invest in the church. We invest in our business. We invest in whatever is necessary. I believe that when we make that investment, there is increase. And because there is increase, it's worthwhile. I saw this written down someplace. It says the difference between a congregation and a crowd is a relationship. The difference between a congregation and a crowd is relationship. Why is the church important? It's important for relationship. Any lasting relationship requires an application of these principles. You know, at the close of the service, we're going to recognize four men for commissioning. But they made an investment. And so anything that we do, it, it, it requires an investment in our part. You know, if you hear of a, a program, to have a program isn't enough. There has to be an investment in that program. You know, when somebody goes to school, it isn't enough for them to just simply show up. There has to be an investment. This is several years ago now. But um, there was a... <laughs> for me, everything is several years ago now. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. But we were at one of our ministerial meetings, and there was this young person that was pastoring one of the churches in town, and this person was extremely frustrated. And we didn't have a lot of business, there weren't very many there, and so we, we, we began to, to visit, and this person shared frustrations about the, the finances of the church and how, you know, couldn't get anybody to do anything, and she was just totally frustrated with it all. And, uh, and I, I said to her, I guess they gave it away, it was a her. I said, I, I don't identify with that. 
Because she says, well, so what do you all do in having to deal with these situations? I said, I don't, I don't identify with it. And she says, well, why? And I shared this principle with her. I said, I believe the majority of the people that come to Abundant Life Ministries aren't just simply attending. They've identified with Abundant Life Ministries as being their church. And because they've identified with Abundant Life as being their church, they've gotten involved. You know, it's not that way today because we, we use the excuse that things have changed. But I remember one time, uh, myself and my associate, we sat down and we, we, we took the, the list of Abundant Life attendees. And we looked at it from the standpoint uh, of who's there. And, 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 and we came to the conclusion that on an average Sunday, at least 80% of our congregation was sitting in the pews. Because of their identification, because of their uh, involvement, they were there. And so what did they do? They invested their time. And I said, as far as finances are concerned, you know, our finances are, are great because our people, they, they identify with the church. They get involved in the church. And so they make an investment. And the investment that we make is our time, our talent, and our treasury. And so they pay their, give their tithes and offerings. And again, another survey that we made at one point, you know, <clears throat> Nationwide, it said that something like 13% of individuals that go to church on a Sunday morning tithe. 13%. 13%. Do you know why government has had to take over the welfare program? Because the church who's supposed to do it doesn't have the funds. Just a thought. You know, and so, <clears throat> at that time, back several years ago, we did kind of a survey again, and at least 80% of our congregation gave her their tithes and offerings. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we don't take very many special offerings. Amen? And I'm not against special offerings. But see, this is my belief. My belief is that if, if we, as uh, uh, members of Abundant Life Ministries, those who identify Abundant Life Ministries as their church, if we will tithe, by we, I include me, if we will tithe, every need should be met and we shouldn't have to take up all these special offerings for everything because we ought to have enough within ourselves to be able to give to every Good, every good need, every acceptable need, every charity. That comes with increase. You see, as you and I, as you and I increase, that brings about increase within the church. When we use our time, our talent, and our treasury for the kingdom of God. You know, uh, 39 years ago, when I was 31, I went back to Bible school. 
I went to Bible school, went back to school. Got my minister's degree from Christian Outreach School of Ministries. And I think oftentimes when we achieve something, we, we think that we've arrived. Well, that was 39 years ago. Since that time, I've gotten my bachelor's, my master's, and my doctorate because I realize the need for increase. And so, um, hopefully that's been a benefit for the congregation, but it did that for me. Not so that because most of you don't even know that I have those degrees because I could care less. Because I didn't do it for that. I did it for me that I might grow. You know, I, I probably do more reading today at the age of 70. Well, I know I do more reading at the age of 70 than I did at the age of 20 because at the age of 20 I read absolutely nothing. <laughs> Maybe the sports page. But I read more today than I they ever have. Why? Because I recognize that there's still this need for increase in my life. You know, I remember when I graduated from COC, this was my goal. This was my vision to, well, before I graduated, when I went there to school. My vision, my goal was to get 10 or maybe 15 families and we'll just hang out till the rapture. How's that for a vision? But you know what? I came to realize that there was a world out there that needed Jesus. I could have just stopped there. I could have remained there. But see, something had to take place to challenge me. Something has to take place in our lives to challenge us to realize that there's more for us. And so, here I am. I'm believing that we are going to get this little group of people, 10, 15, hang out. Then I realized that there's a whole world out there that was going to hell in a handbasket because they didn't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And so as a result of that realization and beginning to make investment, because one of the first things that we did as a church, I started up in Wapaka when I was there and continued when we came to Abundant Life Ministries, is that as a church, we tithe into missions. I just looked in our books so far this year, 23% of our giving, of our general giving, has gone to missions. 23%, not 10%, 23%. But then, so we, we made an investment of our time. But then we began to make an investment I mean of our treasury. We began to make an investment of our time and our talent. And as a result of that, I looked this up and personally, I've been to 16 different countries. In addition to that, many from our church have gone to those countries, but in addition to that, countries that I haven't gone to, we've gone to 12 others. We have preached the gospel 
on six of the seven continents. I think that's kind of exciting. But you know what? <clears throat> that didn't just happen. That didn't happen just because we identified with missions. It happened because we identified and then got involved and then made an investment. And we've experienced the increase as a result of that. Why do we invest in our children? We brought our children in here this morning. And we're going to be more specific on that investment of time and talent and treasury. Why? Because we consider that investment to be important. And we consider the increase of that investment. And I was thinking about it the other day that the investment that this church has made in children and adults and so forth My four children grew up in this church. One is sitting over here. One is sitting in Little Rock, Arkansas, in church right now as an associate pastor. One is sitting in Winterset as the wife of the pastor. The other one is sitting in probably Council Bluffs right now as a wife of a pastor. So that investment was not just made in their lives by Pastor Becky and I, but was made in their life by this church. Isaac, my oldest grandson, we may, you all may not be real familiar with him, but he's a product of that. Pastoring in Harlan, Iowa right now. Isaac was dedicated in this church. The investment that has been made will produce the fruit that we desire, but we'll never have the increase. That's the third generation. Thank God, because of the investment that this church has made, he didn't stop. He didn't stop in the third generation. It continues. You see, it was never supposed to stop in the third generation because the investment was to be continually made. You know, people talk about the word of faith and other, other messages losing their fire. Why are they losing the fire? Because the people have lost their fire. Because they've ceased to make the investment. When Pastor Becky and I first heard the message of faith, I mean, when we were first here, we would, we would go to Oakland on a weeknight for a meeting. Why? Because we we're so hungry for the Word of God. And you see, we need to stir up that hunger again. And you know what, man, I wish as a preacher, you know, I've, I've told people, you know, people talk about you preachers, you're just trying to shove the Word down our throats. I wish I could. I mean, if I could shove the Word of God down your throat, we'd have a prayer line right now. Well, let me have it put it this way. We'd have a thrust line. <laughs> thrust, thrust. But it can't be done that way. 
We've got to stir it up within ourselves and rekindle that enthusiasm for God. Not just simply for our benefit, but for the generations that follow after us. I don't, I don't want Abundant Life Ministries to fizzle out in the third generation. I want Abundant Life to grow and prosper and thrive in every way that we can imagine. But for that to manifest, for that to take place, that means we have to be willing to make the investment. And that investment is of our time, our talent, and our treasury. And I'll tell you something. This program that we've been watching, they, they keep promising people they're going to do things that is with, it's not within their power to promise it. But let me tell you this. I won't promise it, but I'll assure it. If you practice this principle in your life, you'll see the increase. It may not manifest the way you, that you think it's going to, but I guarantee you, you'll see the increase. That's why we invest in our children. Train them up in the way they should go, and when they're not old, they're not going to depart from it. Dr. Cole, another principle he gave us was, your children may not always do what you say, but they'll always do what you do. When we're investing in our children, we're showing them. We give them something to follow. Then he made this statement, and a lot of people have quoted it, but again, he was the first one that I heard. He said, there's more in life that's caught than taught. We set the example. What are our children catching from us? Because I'll guarantee you, they are catching something from us. What are those around you catching from you? Because every one of us, through every day, we're, we're showing something, we're teaching something. And so we need to get involved, identify with, get involved, make an investment so that we can experience the increase that God has made available to each and every one of us. And that's what this commissioning is really about. It's about the investment that individuals have made. And this commissioning is something that the Christian Men's Outreach or Christian Men's Network began a few years back where they would recognize that there were men in their studies and so forth and their commitment to their churches and their communities and their families that should be recognized for their achievement, for their accomplishment. And so that's what this commissioning is all about. And so I just want to read a, a couple of quick notes to you. 
It says commissioned men pay the price of training and sacrifice by completing the curriculum required, adhering to the qualifications of service in the local church, accepting the responsibility to minister to other men and being approved by his family pastor to receive the, this high honor. Commissioned men, a commissioned man is part of an elite group of men, a brotherhood, who have committed to be there in the, in the toughest moments. The hero who needs no accolades, the warrior who fights for others, the one for whom sacrifice for the cause of Christ is expected and embraced. The outcry is no man fighting alone. And so this morning, these men are going to be presented with a certificate, but they're also going to be presented with a sword. The sword is significant because we see it both biblically and historically. That a sword is presented to a man, an individual that is considered to be a warrior. One who is willing to enter into the fight. And so the sword represents authority. It represents, it re represents power. But the sword also represents something else. It represents the Word of God. Because the Bible is referred to as the sword of the Spirit. And so what it represents is the fact that they are men that have equipped themselves, they have prepared themselves for the battle that's before them. Because each and every one of us are in the midst of a spiritual battle. So they'll be presented with a sword. They're presented with the certificate, and the certificate reads thus. By the authority of the Christian Men's Network Board of Directors, and upon the completion or a recommendation of pastors, leaders, family, and peers, having accepted the responsibility for this generation to minister to all men with the truth that manhood and Christlikeness are synonymous and having successfully completed the requirements. They're hereby uh, honored, entitled to all honors and privileges whereby uh, pertaining to the call a minister of men to be observed on the 18th. The scripture passage is all the things Thou hast heard of me among many witnesses. The, submit, the same commit thou to faithful men who should be able to teach others also. But notice what it says. It doesn't say presented to, to qualified men. It's presented to able men. Because you know what? The Bible makes it very clear that God can take the one who is willing and he can use him they're able, they're willing to serve. So if I can have the those that are going to receive commissioning to come forward at this time, you can just line up right here.
this side of the platform. Benson. Mike Benson, I present to you the sword of the Lord. Walk in his strength, his might, his peace. In Jesus' name. Jake Keller. going to do at this time is we're going to pray over them and uh, but first we're going to have them take the pledge so if you'll take out your swords raise them up to the Lord repeat this after me I am commissioned with a ministry majoring in men witness to the men of this generation to bring them to identification with Christ impressing them with the reality that manhood and Christ likeness are synonymous you stand your feet and pray with me as we pray over them Father God, I thank you for these men, for the commitment that they've made, that they were willing to sacrifice time and treasury to the investment of taking the classes that were necessary to fulfill this obligation. But Father, I thank them for using their time, their talent and treasury within this church and within the community and within their families to bring you glory and honor and so, Father, this morning, as a body of believers, we acknowledge and we recognize these men as commissioned men to fulfill the call and the purpose that you've placed upon their lives. And so, Father, by your precious Holy Spirit, guide, lead, direct them that they might be an influence in the lives of others. And, Father, we want you to receive all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory 
the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. So, Father, we thank you today for your goodness and your love. We thank you for the victory that belongs to us through Christ Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the truth of your word. So, Father, as we go into our community, we go as ambassadors to represent you. Use us. Use us for your purpose, for your glory, in the name of Jesus. And so as you go, go in his peace, go in his strength, go in his love. Go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them.